Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Talk Recorded live. Well, hello and welcome to Whistleblower Heroes. Everyday heroes and educators sharing the information you need to know here on Revolution Radio. And I'm your host, Ella. Well... What is a whistleblower? A whistleblower is a person who makes public disclosures of wrongdoing, corruption, and crime. These courageous people often suffer retaliatory actions because of their disclosures, and in the end, many of these people are often a catalyst for needed change and are eventually lauded as heroes. And I'm here to celebrate these heroes and give them a platform because shining a light on wrongdoing wherever it occurs plays an important role in keeping society peaceful, free, and just. So I have Charles Ewing-Smith with us today, and we will be discussing the scientific evidence and the events surrounding the 9-11 events. Charles, let me tell you a little bit about him first, has been a sound editor in the film industry since the 1980s. Film credits include Pulp Fiction, Reservoir Dogs, Sin City, The Long Kiss Goodnight, and Desperado, among many others. He received a Golden Reel nomination for five of his films, Weird Science, The Witches of Eastwick, RoboCop 2, Pulp Fiction, and Twister. And in 1999, he became the managing director of production for Leonardo DiCaprio's internet media company, Birkin Interactive Studio, Inc. Chuck was the executive producer with Richard Gage and co-editor of 9-11, Explosive Evidence, Experts Speak Out, one of the most widely viewed 9-11 documentaries ever made. As a result of its airing on CPT-12 and subsequently at PBS.org, the film charted as the most watched and most shared video surpassing Downton Abbey. And after revisiting the complete interview footage of the psychologists who appear at the end of Experts Speak Out, he was moved to make the demolition of truth psychologists examine 9-11 in order to share their powerful and compelling message. A seeker of truth and justice, Chuck has, been devoted, has devoted much of his time and energy towards raising public consciousness on critical issues. So I just want to say thank you, Charles, for coming and agreeing to the interview. Oh, hi, Ella. Thanks for having me on. I'm really honored to be on your show. You've got uh, some fantastic, real, authentic whistleblowers. Well, you're up there with, you know, you're right up there with them as well. So, I'm, you know, this is a very important topic and not one I've covered in depth, and I think it's really important to share with the listeners. And you have a couple of excellent documentaries out there, and I'm hoping after the interview everyone will take the time and go to your YouTube site and take a look at them. Can you go ahead and give me give them the YouTube site so they can view it afterwards? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, my YouTube channel, which they'll have to search for it, I suppose, because I've got three or 400 things on there, uh, my YouTube channel is, is Charles Ewing Smith, E-W-I-N-G. Charles Ewing Smith has one word. Okay. And uh, they, they can, you know, they can do a, do a you, can, you don't even have to go to my channel. You can just go to Google. And if you want to watch the Architects and Engineers documentary uh, that I did with the Architects and Engineers, the uh, 9-11 Explosive Evidence Experts Speak Out, if you Google just the words Experts Speak Out, it's going to come up. And uh, uh, there's multiple places to watch it, including on PBS.org, where it's still being featured. 
And, uh, and then to watch uh, the second documentary, The Demolition of Truth, uh, psychologists uh, examine 9-11, uh, it's the same thing. You can just Google The Demolition of Truth, and it will show up in, in a couple versions. One of them is, is the uh, PBS program, where they used it as a fundraiser. So it's a two-hour program with interviews interjecting. And, uh, and then the, uh, the other one, if you, look, if you see under Charles Ewing Smith, you'll see that I've, I've also released the PBS version on my YouTube channel. Uh, the PBS version of both the 9/11, both the uh, experts speak out and the psychologists examine 9/11. Both of those are truncated for PBS. They're both like 60 minutes, 70 minutes long, and the DVDs or the the actual documentaries are close to two hours long. So uh, a lot is missed by what is out there free. Uh, the architects and engineers, of course, is using. Uh, their, uh, the documentary I helped them make as one of their principal fundraisers. Uh, I'm just releasing mine. Uh, I haven't made any money to speak of from it. And uh, uh, I'm just putting it out there. And then uh, uh, this summer, I'm going to release the full version in uh, multiple languages. Uh, the, uh, the, the Architects and Engineers documentary I made in 18 languages. So I made the DVD and made it in 18 languages. So uh, it, it, with the help, of course, of, of people around the world translating it. Uh, but back to the Architects and Engineers documentary, uh, you know, I, I kind of came to that in a roundabout way. Uh, I'm not an academic. I'm just an irate citizen who uh, just about lost his lunch when the 9-11 Commission report came out. And uh, they said that uh, uh, in that report, they said that the Twin Towers, they didn't mention World Trade Center 7, but they said the Twin Towers came down because of fire and gravity. And those were the only two things that didn't, they said the plane didn't do it. Those buildings were constructed to handle an impact from a, uh, over handle an impact from a 740 or 707. Uh, they didn't come down uh, you know, uh, some people say that they pancaked, that one floor, that the top chunk of the buildings hit the next floor and then and the next floor and the next floor and the next floor and they pancaked down. Well, uh, the government has also uh, poo-pooed that uh, explanation as not what, not possible of what could have happened. But anyway, so uh, I, uh, you know, I, I, it goes back for me to uh, even care about this was uh, when I was in the Air Force in 1962, and I swore an oath to protect my country from enemies, foreign and domestic, as all soldiers have. And uh, lo and behold, my first president I ever voted for was assassinated while I was out of the country for the first time. And that was quite a trauma to me. And, uh, and then they started talking about a lone shooter, and I was really in the puzzle factory on that. That didn't seem right to me. But you know, time moves on, and then Martin Luther King gets assassinated, and then Robert Kennedy gets assassinated. And ironically, one person was charged in all three of these cases. And all three of them had smelled of something more than that. So uh, and then, you know, to, to move on, I mean, here I am just kind of treading water looking at this stuff and going, what in the world's going on? And then came the uh, Vietnam War. And then we find out that the reason for getting into the Vietnam War, uh, to actually making it a war as opposed to what they call the police action, uh, was a lie that North Vietnam had attacked 
a ship. They call it the Gulf of Tonkin Lie. And, uh, and the truth was is that we were over there sending boats up their rivers and blowing up stuff. And they came out in a boat to challenge us and say, stop it. They didn't fire anything. Robert McNamara, uh, who was, uh, I guess he was the Secretary of Defense at the time, uh, is in the movie called The Fog of War by Errol Morris. And, uh, and he admits that, uh, they did, that it was a lie, that the Gulf of Tonkin didn't happen. So the entire Vietnam War was based on a lie. Well, nobody says anything. Nobody, you know, a few articles here and there, people standing up and saying, well, gosh, if a whole war and hundreds of thousands of people have died, shouldn't somebody go to jail? Well, it didn't happen. And, uh, and so that, uh, you know, set me up to uh, uh, really start, you know, looking closer at what the heck's going on. And... Uh, it, uh, it, 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 it reminded me of, uh, I have this quote here uh, from R. Buck Minister Fuller. If the success or failure of this planet of human beings depended on how I am and what I do, how would I be and what would I do? And with oh that God. in mind, yeah, with that in mind, uh, I, when, when, the, when the 9-11 report came out, um, I, I became apoplectic at that point because uh, I'm a sound editor, and uh, that doesn't mean I understand anything special. But what it does mean is that I spent years in dark rooms looking at a movie with no soundtrack and imagining what it would sound like. So I did that for years. And so uh, on the morning of 9-11, I'm looking at these towers coming down, and I'm going, geez, what would that sound like? You know, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of deconstructing it in my head and going, well, let's see, these, these beams, this would have to collide with that, and uh, there would have to be some kind of, of force causing all this. And I, it, to me, it looked like explosions. I can't imagine. Fire wouldn't do it. So, uh, you know, I just add these things together, and I came up with, well, it has to be, those have to have been demolated so, or demolished. So uh, uh, I sat with that. And uh, meanwhile, Bush took us to war, attacked a country instead of a person, blamed it on one man, and then attacked the entire country of Afghanistan. And then they turned that around and moved all the people out of Afghanistan and attacked Iraq, who hadn't done anything to us, other than cooperate with us when, when we wanted them to gas Iran. So, you know, you, you, I, I, I just was stunned by all that. So... Uh, when the reports came out, the 9-11 report from the government, or from NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, which is a, a division of the Department of Commerce, by the way, ironically, because, um, you know, why would standards be controlled by commercial interests? You know, mm-hmm. so that, that's ironic right there. But so when their report came out, and they uh, determined, as a summary, they determined that fire and gravity caused those two towers to come down. But when you read the report, you find that it's almost all of it is data that's pointing towards Muslims doing it. And there's very little about what happened to the buildings. They cover that the planes hit the buildings. Uh, They imagine the damage that could have been done by those planes going into those buildings. They don't take into account the 
critical factor, which is those two towers were a building inside of a building. The outside was was built to support 40% of the on alone it could support 40% of the building, 40 to 50% of the building. The inner building was incredible. It was like a cage. It was it was just beams and heavy steel beams, you know, welded together and bonded together and just crazy. And so the buildings, if you look at them from the top, they looked like rectangular donuts. The places where the people were was in the donut section, which went around the outside. And then the center was the real strength of the building, which you can't see from the outside. The real strength of the building is the inner core. And uh, the inner core was hollow. It's where they had the elevator. And uh, so the uh, we start, you know, I, I, let's see, I'm trying to remember where I, where I was on this thing. It's so complicated. But uh, 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 people see these towers come down, and they don't imagine, and I didn't either when I first looked at it, that there's an actual building on the inside. And so when you look at these towers and they crash straight down, you go, how can two buildings fall upon themselves? You know, how can they fall in, into the area of, of, the, of the greatest strength? Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's like uh, asking, you know, taking a piece of metal and hitting it on the edge and expecting it to crumple. It's, it's, it's just, you know, the odds of it, that's the strongest place to hit it. So anyway, these buildings uh, were hit on uh, uh, one side, and uh, which which did damage to the one side of each of the buildings. But they, instead of when they fell, instead of falling asymmetrically, in other words, probably following towards where the damage was, because some of the structure had been removed there and that made it weaker, the buildings would have tilted to that point. They actually corrected themselves and fell exactly straight down. And not only did one of them do it, but the other one did it exactly the same. Now, the government is claiming that fire did this. And fire, we know, doesn't cause anything to happen symmetrically. It roams. It goes where the fuel is. And it's slow. So, And, then, and you made those back. points in the documentary about the, the metal. You know, at 750 degrees, this metal is supposed to be able to withstand that heat for a substantial time. You know, and I, from what I understand, um, also watching your, your documentary, is that there was, you know, initially there were 1,500 questions arising from architects, engineers, and, and more so, and also pilots. I mean, it must have been like a couple thousand, uh, you know, people coming forward and questioning what was happening. And from what I understand as well, you know, the official explanation wasn't even scientifically based. Am I correct? Well, the, the official explanation of the whole thing isn't scientifically based. Uh, they didn't use science. This is uh, the they came up they they came up with faux science, with fake science. But it's to obfuscate what happened, not to illuminate what happened. So when they when they uh, when they announced that fire and and gravity brought the buildings down. Well, you know, what, they have to prove that. And so if you look at the report, what do you find? You find that the report ends at the moment that the buildings start to fall. The 9-11 report does not cover in any way, shape, or form 
the, the actual demolition of those buildings or the falling of those buildings. Let's say if it wasn't demolished, how in the world could it fall straight down when there were, and also they, each one of them was like three buildings. It was a building on top of a building on top of a building with staggered elevators and, and, and uh, atriums and, and, you know, areas that were not normal, big open spaces and all that stuff. So, you know, you'd think, well, that would be part of what caused, you know, how the building fell. If it was falling due to gravity, and it would be dependent upon what was underneath it uh, to determine what happened next. Now, the, uh, the, the buildings were hit by planes. Some people say they weren't hit by planes, that they're insane. The buildings were clearly hit by planes. Uh, the big question with the buildings was, how could, a pi how could pilots who had no experience at all uh, guide these planes at the speed that they were flying, at the altitude they were flying, uh, into these buildings in, 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 in what appears to be a perfect spot. Mm -hmm. uh, and so the pilots have come out and said, well, it can't happen. And, uh, you know, these guys couldn't, surely couldn't do it, and it would be tough for even regular pilots to do. So the big debate on the planes is, well, they're remote controlled. They were, uh, nobody knows what happened to the people, but it becomes pretty clear that uh, the, the planes that hit the, the, the two one World Trade Center towers had to have been remote controlled. And uh, because if you, if, if you look at how the building came down, which it's easy to see that the buildings were demolished if you look at the videos, you go, well, that had to be remote controlled too. How could they time out every floor like that and have the floors explode the way they do? You can see the explosions on, on, on videos. They're very clear. And how could and they the do that? They had to... I just wanted to interject some things as well. And the other thing is there was zero resistance in the, within the building. This carefully constructed, these carefully constructed buildings and, and zero resistance. And as you mentioned well, earlier, it, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it came down at 64% of free fall. Now, you know, that's as, that's as if the, the bottom part of the building was weaker than the top part. But the truth of the matter is, if you were to look at the at the columns that were in that building from the bottom to the top, they were like a skinny pyramid. They were at the bottom, they were really thick and really big, and at the pop at the top they were very thin. So, you know, the, the top fourteen floors, which had been supported by the bottom eighty five or ninety floors for decades, and were they're they're built to hold four to five times their weight, uh Top floor, they're claiming the top floors, which were lighter, absolutely smashed everything below them. The top floors were warm because there was fires on a couple floors, but the bottom of the building, the bulk of the building by far, four-fifths of the building, was ice cold, no fires, and the air conditioning and the lights were on. So the, the people, I think, to go, well, the planes were heavy and uh, the fire and then the the uh, fire uh, retardant was shook off on where the planes hit, and that caused the steel to get hotter, and uh, and that caused everything to weaken. And then they just imagine that these, this top part of this building is so heavy that it must have, you know, fallen and crashed what was below it. Well, it, what was below it was built to hold that. So if you if, if God came and picked up the 14 stories and held it up, you know. A quarter mile in the air and threw it down on the building. Not much more would happen than than 14 stories of the bottom 
part of the building would be destroyed, the same as the 14 stories at the top. It's Newton's laws. Uh, you know, uh, it, it uh, what you know. I, I guess I I don't have Newton's laws right at the tip of my tongue, but <laughs> and I should have, but I don't. But it has to do with uh, uh, it, the same amount of energy to build the building is required to dismantle the building. And mm-hmm. uh, if, if something out of the ordinary happens, you have to ask where the energy came from, because you know there is no energy for those buildings to come down the way they did. There, uh, it just it's gravity. That's the only energy. Fire. But the steel could not have been, first of all, it takes 2,800 degrees to melt steel. At 2,200 degrees, it gets like licorice. It doesn't collapse. It doesn't break. It gets like licorice. It bends. And at 2,800 degrees, it's when it starts being really soft. Uh, the office fires that are supposedly in charge of, of, of melting the steel can't get any hotter than 1,600 degrees at the high end. There's just nothing in there that burns hotter. Plastic might burn hot. There might be some chemical stuff occasionally. But basically, it's office furniture and paper and carpet. And that stuff doesn't get much above 800 degrees. So I'm being very liberal to say the 1,600 degrees. But that's a far cry from 2,800 degrees. And, uh, and, and so, uh, so the steel, they claim the steel melted. And, uh, and then the building slashed, smashed down, and uh, the bottom couldn't support it, and so it came straight down. And as I said before, when a building is hit on one side like that and not hit symmetrically, like on all four sides, how could the behavior of the building not be affected by that? Well, and the behavior wasn't affected by, by that because the buildings came straight down into their own footprint. And uh, there wasn't anything left of the buildings. The, uh, the steel was the only thing left. Everything else was turned into dust. They didn't find any file cabinets. They didn't find any people. They didn't find any um, the, anything. They didn't find any telephones. Nothing. Everything was, was incinerated. So you go, well, okay, from the point of view, if it's demolished, if it's incinerated, what in the world could do that? And, uh, you know, it, the, the architects and engineers, uh, some of them uh, independently came in and got a hold of some of that dust. And they got it from sources that they documented, so it's all authentic. And they did a bunch of tests on it, and they found in the dust unexploded or unincinerated or unburnt something that they, that they broke down and determined that it was a form of thermite. And thermite is nothing more than iron powder and rust, or excuse me, uh, rust powder and aluminum powder. And the two of them together get very hot. Thermite gets to 4,600 degrees instantly. They use thermite to connect the railroad tracks. They're instantly welded together with thermite. Now, what they found in the dust, was something different than just regular thermite. What they found was little chips where one side was red and the other side was gray. And they did tests on these chips, and they found that the gray side was, was, was some kind of just a neutral uh, matrix. But that the, the red side, when heated to, I think it was 600 and something degrees, just exploded. And it left 
in, in, its, in its wake, little tiny round iron balls. There, you could see them in the pictures that are in the documentary, and, and if you go online, there's, there's, there's half a dozen pictures or more of, these, of this exploded thing they called, they, they named it nanothermite because it's at the nanoscale, which means that it was built militarily. It is, the, it is molecules of, of iron or rusty iron. I don't know quite what that compound is. And, and, and molecules of, uh, of uh, <coughs> excuse me, of aluminum. And, uh, and so they determined that it, they just called it nanothermite because it's, it's thermite that's on the nanoscale. So they found this. They tested it. It, it exploded. Uh, it's active. It's an active agent. Well, they found tons of it in the dust, and the proof of the pudding is, is that, of course, not many people have this dust, but uh, the proof is, is that when the government came in and analyzed the dust at the very beginning, they determined that 5% of the dust in the World Trade Center demolitions consisted of little tiny round iron balls. 5% of the dust consists of little tiny iron balls. And they, and they attempted to say, well, that's because the people who dismantled the building used welders and that created the, you know, that they had the thermite thing and that created stuff. But it's everywhere. It's in, it's in people's houses. The, the little balls are everywhere. And, and so there's, that's, that's a solid evidential, evidentiary, you know, situation that really backs up the idea that this nanothermite was part of the ingredients that brought down those buildings. Well, at 4,600 degrees, you can imagine what that would do. That's almost twice what it, the, what it takes to turn steel into liquid. Mm-hmm. So uh, you, they, they found in the dust also molybdenum. Uh, the government did. Molybdenum. Molybdenum doesn't even melt until 4,600 degrees. So the temperatures in the building had to have been much greater. The buildings had to be much greater than was... Uh, could be explained by either jet fuel or office fires. And uh, jet fuel is just kerosene, so we know that's not going to melt steel because otherwise kerosene lamps would all melt. So jet fuel is it couldn't possibly have melted the building in any way, shape, or form. And so, uh, so the, the the planes hit the building. The people think the planes brought the buildings down. The government says that that the planes didn't bring the buildings down, but fire and gravity did. They say that it melted the steel and that the, when the planes hit, it, it knocked off the fire retardant, and that caused the steel to melt in that section, and then it was a fait accompli. The top collapsed onto the bottom floors and kept on going. But there's, you know, there's, there's, there's huge, huge problems with that because, as we previously discussed, it couldn't happen. It couldn't happen that way. It would have had to have been an irregular fall something where the building tilted off to the side, you know, and, you, and you're looking at this building. I mean, the, the, the beams are like fingers pointing down. And on each floor, there's, there's stuff like that, and, and particularly in the central core. And how could that, you know, how would those, be, those fingers of steel going straight down not entangle with other steel and, and get all tangled up and fall off to the side somewhere? It just, everything came down perfectly. So yeah. uh, when people, you know, uh, people, people want to jump uh, on this situation, they want to jump to conclusions. They don't want to take the time to analyze what, ha- what the crime was. 
they want to jump to the conclusion that uh, the government's in on it or, or that Arabs did it or uh, immediately and without any thought whatsoever. You know, like, well, wait a minute, what is the crime? Uh, where is, what is it? Is it the story that Arabs hit the buildings and that did it? Uh, well, let's look at that. Could the Arabs have hit the buildings? Uh, well, could the, the question would have to be, could the Arabs have gotten into the buildings and rigged them for demolition? If the government's report is wrong, and I say it is, then the buildings had to have been rigged for demolition. Now, it takes a month or two to rig a building, particularly those, something like those towers, to rig them for demolition. So you, you move over to World Trade Center 7. And if you look at World Trade Center 7, which came down seven hours later, it wasn't hit by a plane, and it just came down, and nobody covered it. The media didn't cover it. The government didn't cover it. And it then, just, don't forget the fact, and then also they say the other thing is, like, basically two planes brought down three sky, skyscrapers. Come on. You know, that's the other point they kept making. And, yeah, we'll discuss them further because, yeah, that was not covered, and that's kind of the smoking gun right there. It's like Building 7 gives it away is what I was told. I think that's true. I think if you start with Building 7, you go, well, something's clearly wrong here. And then if you, if you take that and look at the towers, you go, uh-oh, something's really wrong here. Uh, because World Trade Center 7, if you look at the video, it's a classic demolition. It was the, the, the floors down. You can't see it in the video, but the floor is closer to the ground. Something happened on a, a couple of those floors. And just like in a demolition in Las Vegas, the whole top of the building came down. Uh, it, and it came down just like just straight down. And you can't see anything happening because it's all happening at the bottom. The top looks solid as it goes straight down, nothing happening. It's just all happening at the bottom. Well, the government's explanation for this was that it was a, a new phenomenon called, called uh, what was that called, uh, global expansion or something like that. I can't remember exactly the term, but it was ridiculous. Uh, they're claiming that one column, column 79, out of 83 or 84 columns, one column had, broke at its connector with the the four beams at the top. You know, there'd be a beam going each way, uh, sitting on top of this column. And they're saying that uh, that that the, the those beams resting on this column separated, and that that caused in one second or two seconds every other connection in the building on those floors to fail instantly because it had to have happened instantly because if it didn't, once again, the building would have fallen off to one side or the other. If, if, if only one half of the building is separated, then that, the other side is going to be stronger and then that side, the side that's separated might collapse or something. So once again, it, they came down symmetrically and, and you know, both, all three buildings came down symmetrically. So, if you, if you, if you, and then you've got the owner of World Trade Center 7 coming on a PBS program and, it, and saying that, they, that, they, uh, that he had talked to the fire chief and that they decided so many people had died that day that they should just pull it. Well, okay. Now, nobody was in that World Trade Center 7. They'd been taken out. They were never allowed in. I mean, anybody that was working there was out, and none of the fire department went into that building. So they were told early on to stay out of that building for some reason. And, uh, uh, but then the, uh, 
you know, the, the, the building just came down and I'm kind of losing my track here. Uh, help me out, Ella. <laughs> where, where do I go next? <laughs> um, you know, we were just discussing, you know, the improbability of all these, these events, you know, and you were talking about the owner of the building, which was really oh, interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Larry, Larry Silverstein. You know, he, he and Frank Lowy, who's, uh, who owns all these West, West, Western, they're, they're, they're malls all over the country, West something malls, uh, very big. Anyway, those two people own those buildings. And in order to, uh, for the, the World Trade Center 7 to come down the way it did, it had to have been demolished. And if it was demolished, that means that Larry Silverstein, who owned that building outright, uh, built it even, uh, had, uh, had arranged for it to be filled with explosives. Because how could he tell the fire department to pull it if there wasn't something to pull. And that's an old term, by the way, for the back in the old days with fire departments when, when buildings were made out of wood. And, in, and if you, they wanted to stop the fire, they would pull the building. They just, they'd put chains on it and pull it over with horses and stuff. And so that's where that term came from. Anyway, they tried to deny that amenity thing, but uh, he said, pull it. And uh, so the building had to have been pre-rigged, which means it was rigged with people working in it that didn't know it was being rigged. Now, he was never called on any of this. Nobody ever challenged him on any of this obvious stuff. Kind of like nobody ever challenged the city of New York or Rudolph Giuliani for disposing of the crime scene, selling all the, all the metal to China before it could be examined. That's a major yeah. crime. But nobody yeah, ever challenged those people. Yeah, believable. Yeah, destruction of a crime scene. So... Uh, so anyway, uh, there's all kinds of, of uh, problems here. And, uh, you, know, uh, I, you know, I just, I just felt like uh, seeing that something was wrong. I didn't see all this stuff initially. All I saw was that the government was, wasn't telling me the truth, that I knew fire didn't do it. So uh, I, I, I started paying attention, and, and uh, lo and behold, I stumbled across Richard Gage's uh, power prompt presentation that he made in 1967 I think and it's called Blueprint for Truth and it's fantastic it was just full of all the facts that supported my hunch that you know not only was something wrong but here's what's wrong he's an architect he describes what's wrong so I call I got involved I immediately called contacted them sent them a little money and I was invited to the team calls which was you know very at the very beginning like that, it was pretty neighborly and just a handful of people. And, uh, and we started talking and talking and talking. And, and I, uh, uh, eventually I, I said, you know, if I'm, I was the only guy that had any movie experience. And I was also the only guy that had any media experience. So I guess it felt to me just naturally to suggest that we make a documentary and mm-hmm. that we, uh, that we, you know, send a, that, uh, I just said, you know, if we get some video, uh, I'll edit it because I had uh, Final Cut Pro. I was a sound editor, but I was determined to teach myself Final Cut Pro. <laughs> so I told him I could do it. <laughs> you did an amazing job. Of what quality you produced? Well, I mean, it, it, it was it ended up being a big team effort. And uh, mm-hmm. while uh, while uh, you know we sent Marty McGee around to take the videos, and he did a fantastic job. He sent them to me, and I. Uh, edit them down into usable sections, and I sent them off to the team, 
where, because uh, this was all volunteer. Every one of us, nobody got paid a penny. We all volunteered our time for several years to make this. And so we sent the, uh, uh, I sent the, uh, uh, the videos off to the, team, to the uh, transcription team, and they put everything in print. And then Richard sat there with uh, Chris Sarns and a few other people and edited it into a program uh, on paper. And then he gave me the paper, and I constructed that program. And he came down and with Greg Roberts and stayed at my house for a week <laughs> when we were working on this. I think he determined that, you know, it was, that it was tougher than we thought. Uh, my equipment wasn't working that great in certain points, and so it was a little bit of a slog. But we got through it. And, uh, and, and, and you know, what, what I did was not a final cut. Uh, what I did was create the rough cut. And, uh, and so then uh, I, uh, Richard said, what are we going to do? And I said, we're going to have to get another editor who knows what he, more what he's doing to polish it. And so uh, I, I interviewed a fellow named Francis Battaglia, and he said he would do it uh, as a job. And so he, he got paid. He didn't get paid a lot, but he got paid. And, uh, and so he spent about a year on it, polishing it up, because Richard kept making changes, Richard Gage. And, uh, and then and, and it came out, and it, and, it went, and it got on PBS. And we were all so happy that, you know, uh, before it got on PBS, uh, I had made it the DVD master. Uh, it came back to me from Francis. I made the DVD master. And then, I, and then uh, having worked with the translation team in Europe for a year, uh, I got it in 18 languages, and so I prepared the DVD with 18 languages so it could be seen around the world. And so it's been seen by millions now, uh, that particular documentary. And, and at the end of that documentary, uh, and so, I mean, that made me very happy uh, because I was able, not being a scientist, but being intelligent enough to understand what they're saying, uh, put, that made me so happy I was able to, you know, make this happen for them. And... Uh, it, you know, it, it just—I it, don't know. I—I I, I had it in my mind that uh, that you know, I, I had to do something. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have a, at the head of my other documentary on the cover. It says, uh, "It's easier to fool people than to convince them they have been fooled." And that was Mark Twain. And so, um, I just—I just went. You know, I. I've been quiet about JFK relatively, all the other ones, Vietnam War. I mean, I, I, I ran it in raid, but I didn't do anything. And so it came down to doing something, you know. And so that's how I got started with Richard. And uh, at the end of that documentary, which the scientists, it's, it's architects, engineers, physicists, uh, uh, social scientists in terms of psychologists, uh, real scientists like Lynn Margulis, who – who uh, was Carl Sagan's first wife and has and won the National uh, Science Award delivered by Bill Clinton and was also uh, invited to be part of the Da Vinci Society, which is the World Society of Smartest People. Uh, she saw it instantly, and she was one of the people in our in our documentaries uh, who who took the position that what what the government did wasn't science. She said it isn't science at all. It's at any if it's anything, it's propaganda. As a matter of fact, she has a she has a quote. I think I did. I say it already. She has a she has a quote uh, somewhere here that I. Oh yeah, uh, the, 
you've got to love this quote. The 9-11 tragedy is the most successful and most perverse publicity stunt in the history of public relations. That's Lynn Margulis. So, uh, and, you know, and, 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 you know, if you don't want to look at things from the scientific point of view, here's another quote for you. I don't know who said it, but if you don't look at the evidence, you can't see the lies. So this whole thing requires people to have, to open up their brains and go, okay, I may not understand all the science, but I have common sense. And that's what it takes is the common sense. The buildings could not have come down the way the government said, so therefore something else must have happened. Arabs could not have rigged the buildings, so therefore someone else is the villain. Mm -hmm. And that's, and of course, Arabs have been blamed for everything, and now 17 years later, it's like in our DNA that Arabs are bad, and we all think that way, not all of us, but uh, the world is being trained to think that way. And Islamophobia is, is, is a symptom of what has been done to us. This has all been done to us. We right, and it's kind of moving in the direction. So we still have a couple of questions that we haven't really covered. The who and the why. We're kind of covering the, the what and the when, so I'm glad you're going that direction to kind of, you know, it's, it's what they want us to believe, and, now, and then we can eventually get into the why they want us to believe this. Well, you know, I think that we're set up to believe it. Uh, we are all being told that America is an exceptional nation. Mm-hmm. We're all being set up to think that, 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 that it, and George Bernard Shaw said it best when he said, patriotism is your conviction that this, con- that, that this country that you were born into, or no, that, excuse me, patriotism is your conviction that this country is superior to others because you were born in it. And that's, that's the bottom line. Patriotism is just because you're born in that country. It's not delivered by God. And, uh, and, uh, and this is being poured, this idea of American exceptionalism is being poured into our heads by the imperialists, by the New World Order, by the people who are uh, uh, guilty of hegemony, the people who are wanting to make America the country that rules the entire world and never let any other country get, a, get even, even basis with us. That group is the group that's causing all this stuff. And, uh, uh, and so, you know, they're the, they're the who, the New World Order. And uh, we've been hearing about them for years, but we don't know what it means. And, uh, you know, uh, we can't believe that, like, for example, how could, how could Donald Trump fire missiles into Syria without the evidence that there was gas being used. And now today, the, the organization that is examining that whole area came out and said not only wasn't there any gas, but the only people that were in there were in there because of fire, uh, uh, smoke inhalation, and that the white helmets won an Academy Award last year uh, were, were the people that came in, yelled that it was gas, started hosing off people, and then the minute that they got the videos they wanted, they left. And so, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a scam, just like the one a year ago that there was use of gas. They've determined, the, the New World Order people have determined that this gas thing is, is so ambiguous that, and people roll over on it. And uh, so they're using that as the latest, latest uh, reason to attack people that didn't attack us. 
there. We can't sit still and let somebody gas somebody. Well, the United States has the largest stockpiles of gas in the world. We have the largest stockpiles of diseases in the world. We have, we have the anthrax. We have all this. We have horrible diseases in, in, in buildings that if they blew up, they'd be released into the environment. We have diseases that will just kill us in no time. And for some reason, the United States is busy pointing its finger at other countries, saying, you can't have any gas, you can't do this, you can't do that, when we gave Saddam Hussein gas to gas the Iranians. So the hypocrisy in this country is just mind-boggling. It's, in it's beyond... The, the, the illegal arms deals that are made, it's unbelievable. You know, we're giving no, other no. countries the weapons, we're selling them the weapons to use against our, <laughs> against our military. Well, we have left. to. We have oh. to sell them the weapons because our entire economy is, is, is built upon weapon sales now. Mm-hmm. We got rid of all the companies. They're all overseas. We don't have any income. The only income we have is from selling any, you know, giant income because we're hor- horribly in debt, you know, trillion, many trillions of dollars. I heard the other day 75 trillion. I mean, the most I'd heard before was like 25, 22 trillion. I mean, $75 trillion is more money if they started printing it now it would be 100 years before they were even done printing it, probably, if they could even do it that fast. I mean, it's at $100. Money they, the money they spend in the military-industrial complex and, and some of the deep state, uh, they could start to put a dent in that, but it's unfortunate where, where the government spends the money. Well, the day before 9-11, 9-10, Donald Rumsfeld gave a press conference where he announced that trillion was unaccounted for in the Pentagon. That was before 9-11. Now, you know that since it's all buried now, the minute 9-11 happened, all that got buried because the government, rather than looking at the towers as being, the the attacks as being a, a criminal conspiracy, they wanted to translate it into, it's a country that did it. If they can determine that it's a country that did it, then they can say it's war. And if it's war, then the, gov- then, the, then the Senate and the Congress will just roll over and give them all the money they want and won't even ask for anything. There's proof of that, that that's the history of that. So it was, uh, they wanted it to be determined as a war. And, and uh, I've got the videos of the day of 9-11, and uh, pretty much everybody that's on those videos is all promoting that we don't treat this as a crime, we treat it as a war, and that anybody who harbors uh, a criminal, the, the entire state is guilty. The entire country is guilty if, if, if one of these people is in their country. And that's the position they took. And uh, nothing's changed. We're still attacking countries for minimal reasons. And, uh, you know, there's no, there's no reason for it other than that this is part of some master plan. Anyway, so back at, to the uh, A&E documentary, um, the, at the end of it, there was, uh, we had uh, interviews with some psychologists. And when we were originally planning this documentary, uh, they, Richard didn't want the psychologists because uh, he's an architect and, and uh, he didn't, you know, it wasn't, it isn't his strong suit. And, but he rolled over. I kept saying, no, we got to do it. We got to do it. And, you know, there was, they were, they had been, they had signed the petition. So they were just like us. And, uh, and so he, he said, okay, so they got these interviews. Well, we made the documentary for the architects and engineers documentary, and they had a really nice little section at the end that got really praised by people who watched it. 
And um, so then it just kind of happened, right? And so then a couple of years go by, and, uh, you know, I'm going, wait a minute. I've got all these masters. And there's all this stuff in there. I know there's stuff in there that isn't architects and engineers that people never saw. They were, it was cut, for one, probably for space. And so I started looking at those, those videos, and uh, I ran into the David Ray Griffin interview that we had, and it was really extensive, and it was all about stuff that didn't make it into the documentary, really important stuff uh, about, uh, you know, what, what is religion, and, uh, what, is, uh, what is a, a nationalism, and, uh, uh, you know, the, the people's confusion about what truth is and all that. And, uh, you know, he, he defines religion right off the bat as matters of ultimate concern. That's what religion is. Matters, it addresses matters of ultimate concern for everybody. But 500 years ago, nationalism trumped religion to resolve things. I think we see that in movies like Beckett and, and other movies where it was the, 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 the state religion of England is battling the Vatican. And uh, the state religion won. And so for 500 years, to resolve any problems, States will, will, will turn to nationalism before it will uh, try to resolve things with religion, which religion is addresses the matters of ultimate concern, whereas nationalism does not. It, 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 it's to promote a political agenda, in my view. So at any rate, so uh, our, our, natural, our national ability to turn to what is good and holy and that we believe in and everything is trumped by the by the enormous noise coming out of Washington and the media. And the media, of course, in 19, what was it, 1952 or something like that, uh, there was a, uh, a congressional investigation uh, into how much the CIA in, is involved with the media, Operation Mockingbird, I think it was called, and how much the CIA is involved with the media. And they determined that the CIA has been buried into the media since the early 50s. And that they, they, you know, they're, they're part of it. And everything that ha- comes through the media has to be approved by these people. Or else the media doesn't get access to the government anymore. They won't get their stories. And so the, in the narrow-mindedness of the media, they've, they've bought into this. And, they, and they're, they're treasonous as a result because they don't ever present both sides of the story. I haven't heard both sides of the story since the late 60s in the media. They, there used to be a law that said they had to present both sides of the story, but uh, the Republicans got rid of that. So there's no law anymore. And the media doesn't ever present both sides of the story. I'm a progressive, and my viewpoint has never been presented anywhere. You don't find it ever. What I find is, is that right-wingers are busy confusing, con, uh, blaming liberals for what's going on right now when clearly what's going on is built on the foundation of what the Republicans did. It's just a trap. But, you know, it's all beyond my ability to puzzle out. But at any rate, the government is, is a mess, and it's controlled by forces that, are, that we don't know who they are. We, we can take guesses, but uh, like George Bush kind of said, he said, well, you know, you aren't going to be able to, uh, we're going to go ahead and do things, and you'll be, you won't have anything to say about it. You're just going to end up reacting. He didn't say it like that, but I'm paraphrasing. You're going to end up just accepting history 
we're going to create it. And I think that's what they're doing. They're just going ahead without any, any, any input from us at all. So, you know, I had the outtakes. <laughs> I really, really looked at it. And, uh, and I did a, I, I, I really liked what I found. I, oh, man, there's, there's enough here to make a documentary. So I did a rough cut, and I showed it to the psychologists. And they loved it. So uh, I had their approval. Uh, A&E, Architects and Engineers, wasn't that excited about it because they're focusing on engineering and architects and, and science in that department. And so, you know, the psychologist thing, it seems like, I, I guess, uh, off, off the path or something for them. But, uh, but I knew very well that the people were having trouble digesting any of this information. I mean, I'm being attacked on my YouTube channel uh, and Facebook and anywhere else that I post uh, by crazy people you know, who just want to argue and don't ever, if I give them any solid evidence, they just ignore it and just keep hitting me with, are you saying this? Are you saying that? You know, instead of addressing what I did say, uh, they're drawing conclusions and, and trying to pin me with them. And, uh, you know, it's tempting to respond, but uh, I try very hard to not give them what they're looking for. Instead, keep giving them facts and deal with it. So at any rate, um, the psychology, we, uh, I made that documentary and um, it also got uh, accepted by PBS. So it's also on PBS.org, and it was used as a fundraiser like the other one. So I'm really thrilled. The two documentaries I got involved with were, are both on PBS, which is, to me, a, a merit badge, you know, for actually make, make, making a real boy, so to speak. You know, Pinocchio. The people you brought in and the viewpoints and the people who presenting the evidence, it, it, it's just such a qual such quality pieces of work. I, I've been I enjoy both of them immensely, and I think I saw another one. I think it was called Loose Change. I may be incorrect, but that one was done well, but not as well as not nearly the quality uh, that your well, videos. Change is, yeah, Loose Change is is like the granddaddy. I mean, I think everybody was mo was was piqued by uh, Loose Change. It they really uh, you know put it out there and uh, before anybody else and uh so you know hats off to them i say and certainly i wouldn't have you know i mean i was certainly affected by watching that and i had of course multiple reasons for watching it i had other other issues in there and i really liked all of it i thought wow somebody's pulling the cover off of of, of america's dark past here and and the lies that we're all living with and i love that and uh and so yeah i that, i highly recommend that but we have about five minutes more. Just so you know, we have five minutes more. I just wanted to let you know while really? we're, we're close here. Yes. Wow. Amazing. <laughs> Went quickly. <laughs> it always does. You know, even some of the two-hour interviews I hold, they 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 wrap up fairly quickly too. But yeah, this has been this has been great, and I hope someday in the future you you'd be willing to come back because you know a lot about a lot of different topics and very um, important topics to cover, and especially from your viewpoint. And what you say, even yesterday we had a private discussion, and and it was just so, it just rings true. Sometimes you hear truth and it rings true, and a certain viewpoint will get you thinking in ways that maybe your mind wouldn't have gone before. And these are very important topics, and like I said, and I think they deserve to be shared, and we should get people thinking and speaking, and 
in 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 participating in this truth movement, so to speak. I don't necessarily like that word, but it is the truth. You know, we're trying to get the truth out there with evidence, um, the best that we can. Sometimes it's hard to present evidence, but we do have to at least um, provoke thinking, in talking, in dialogue. Yeah, I mean, it's like it, the perfect example is: is how could it be bad to be called a truther? I mean, what right. in the world is happening in American language where uh, being called a truther is, implies bogusnessness? Exactly. So the, the opposite. You know, yeah. They're so good at spinning everything, even like the word conspiracy theory. You know, we're talking about Kennedy. I, you and I both know that was coined in order to discredit anybody who, who – was sharing real information that people should be thinking about. You know, it's not a conspiracy. It's not a conspiracy when it's a fact and when it's the truth. Well, the CIA put that term out. Mm-hmm. They invented that I've heard that, that from term. several people. I've heard that. Yeah, You're not the first person to mention that. Right. They invented it, and they released it on the public to, to – because, you know, these people are, are psychos. I mean, they really understand the mass, mass mentality. And uh, – they, they put the CIA put this term out to make people have doubts about anybody who suggested that there was a conspiracy with Kennedy's death. Mm-hmm. So it was so they so you know more than one person knowing about something means it's a conspiracy. That's all that means. But they turned conspiracy theorist theorist into something that's that's kind of like you know they're crazy. Yeah, of, whack you know, job. Yeah, yeah, conspiracy. Yeah, conspiracy is just two people agreeing on something. That's no big crime. And somebody who theorizes that there might be two people agree about something—that's no crime. And yet they've made it so that oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. You know, you. Yeah, you it is tied into paranoid and delusional. Somehow yeah. they've managed to associate the word conspiracy theory with paranoid and delusional. Yeah, and what it is is people that are curious because they think they've been lied to. And, boy, they do a little research, and they're going to find out not only have they been lied to, they've been lied to for decades. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the lies are mind-boggling when you get into it. It's unbelievable that this country, had, that the people haven't risen up and just taken the government out somehow, you know, just by marching on Washington and just marching in the offices and sitting on everything. You know, I mean, something has to be done. <laughs> And because the lies are, there's no end to them. They've got, they got away with 9-11. That's why everything is so daring now. It's because they know the people don't kill the crap. The people aren't going to respond. You know, and also one thing I wanted to point out, because, you know, I talk to so many whistleblowers, and I speak to so many people that are former, you know, um, agents, analysts for the NSA and the CIA and, you know, FBI, retired FBI agents. And, you know, they... Have you know everything is so compartmentalized? That's the other right. issue. So it's hard to whistleblow on events that you you you're not sure of that you haven't participated in. So that's another tricky thing. I mean, you know, one FBI agent told me he'd be sitting next to his fellow you know coworker, and he didn't know what that guy was working on. He was only allowed, he was only privy to the information he needed, and even then he didn't get a well-rounded picture of what he was doing and why he was doing it. And the other thing is, like when he talked about terrorist lists, terrorist watch lists, he goes, "How are these people? How do they end up on these lists? 
they haven't committed a crime yet, and, you know, just sometimes it didn't make sense. So my point being to add to this conversation is that it, it is difficult because it is very compartmentalized, and maybe someone did one thing, uh, maybe they were a part of uh, step two, they don't know what step one, step three, and step four is. And so it's, it's like a puzzle, and they don't even know how the pieces fit oftentimes. Oh, it's so true, true. And that's why, you know, architects and engineers took the position that uh, if people would come forward, that they would, they would push to, you know, have, have them be, uh, you know, uh, I forget the term, but uh, they, they'll be able to testify without getting indicted for anything. Uh, even though they were part of it, if they come forward and talk, that that people the a the the truth are seen is not into vengeance. We're into getting this thing solved. Yes. And getting people back discussion. on track. Yes. And ending and the endless wars. This needs to go. You know, this needs to end up in a court. There needs to be hearing. You know, this needs to. This needs to be investigated further with the evidence, and and someone, I hope eventually someone's held accountable in some shape or form because, you know, we lost 3,000 lives that day. You know, the entire world was traumatized by these events, especially in America. Uh, It's just such a crime. It's just an outright crime. And people in the other countries, too, they're suspicious of of what occurred. And they, you know, America... In other countries, America doesn't view us in the light that we as Americans view ourselves, although we both know, and I'm included in that as well, that maybe our government isn't, you know, honest and transparent with us. And I don't necessarily think we're the greatest country. I think we're, the, we're a powerful country, and I think we're a greedy country, but I don't necessarily think we're the quote-unquote best country. I don't feel anybody could say anybody's the best anything. You know, the minute you it's – it's an ego problem. The minute you say that you're yeah. the best at something – you're going to run into somebody that's much better than you, <laughs> you know, that just happens to everybody. How could they, how, how do people sit still with this stuff? You know, it's, uh, it's, it's hard. It's really hard. That's why, you know, these, my documentary, the uh, psychology one uh, kind of is about, you know, uh, boy, <laughs> talking about having troubles with memory, uh, cognitive dissonance. It's about the, the inability of people to hold two opposing thoughts in their head at the same time, weigh them, and come to some kind of informed conclusion that they're willing to stand by, something that they factually examine. And people, there's a lot of people, it turns out, do not have that ability. Or if they do have that ability, they, they've never tested it to see if it works for them. But uh, cognitive dissonance is, is, uh, is a real problem here. Uh, because uh, I say apple and they say orange. And how are we going to agree that, you know, to look at the apple? I mean, I've looked at the orange. That's why I turned to the apple. You know what I mean? So uh, people have to to recognize that they have to do more homework. America is not not a baked cake. It is not the cake that you're going to take to the birthday party. It's a cake that's in process. We're still making it. This country's only been around for a few hundred years. We're not going to be around anymore at the rate we're going. I mean, we've, now we've got uh, the government has created a situation where Russia and China are pooling their resources, both militarily and financially, to break the back of the dollar. Well, they only did that because we're rude jerks who, I mean, that Nikki Haley monster, 
saying we'll never be friends with Russia in the UN, I mean, somebody should just string her up. That's, I don't imagine there's very many people in this country that feel that way. And yet she's announcing these horrible things. If I was a Russian, I'd, I'd be joining with the Chinese too, because it doesn't look like America is going to be anything other than somebody who wants to take over the world and do everything our way. And if anybody says, no, wait a minute, we just bomb them. That's what's been going on since 9-11. And until people wake up to 9-11, I don't think they'll have the clarity to recognize that the uh, uh, neocons and the neoliberals are destroying this country. They're all warmongers. They all see military instead of diplomacy as the answer. And they're busy marginalizing the left. Bill Clinton moved the left to the center so that there wasn't any left anymore. We kept going for Democrats, going Democrats, Democrats, and then they turn into Republicans when they're in office. Uh, He moved it to the left. He moved the left to the right because he determined that uh, Democrats needed to finally get, get, get along with Republicans and so maybe they can get together on this war issue. And so he drug the Democrats over to that point of view and, it's, and, and so the Democrats have been a, a joke ever since. And now they're really a joke, which we don't even have to get into, but I mean, it's, oh my God, what a nightmare for them and for, you know, and for all of us because we don't really have, we only have two parties in this country when we should have probably eight or nine uh, to represent us. At any rate, uh, we're in trouble, Ella. <laughs> yeah, we are. You know, and we are the we are the people, and it's going to take it's going to take the attention and the awareness of the public to understand what's going on and to make a change. And that's why we have, you know, why we have this station and why there's other stations that are similar and why there's, you know, we we have this First Amendment which is supposed to help us. But sometimes I wonder about that. You know, it's 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 up to us as the individuals and as a collective group to help make these changes. We do have to get information out there. We have to stay vigilant, and we have to stay aware. And I know people, you know, people want to stay in their little bubble, but you know that bubble's going to pop all for everybody if we don't stand our ground and stay informed and work collectively to start to change some of what's going on here in the states and in the world. Well, people need to get out of their comfort zone. They need, you know. When I volunteered to, to start with architects and engineers, uh, I knew I was putting myself in for it, you know, that I was going to be spending several years doing something for no money and just be dedicated like a maniac. And, and I felt that that's, that's what has to happen. Things have gone too far. We, people need to try whatever it is, even if it's just making a sign and standing up. My, my position is, is that if, if a person changes one mind, then they've done their job. There's no reason to feel like we can't accomplish something here. All we need to do is wake up one person to the problems that the country is being lied to and our leaders are not our leaders. They're being controlled. They're like puppets. And uh, once people get that position, they'll at least keep their eyes open. And, uh, but until they, they recognize that America is not what we were taught it was. I mean, I thought it was. And when Kennedy was assassinated, uh, I broke my heart. I wept like a baby. You know, I couldn't believe that that happened to my president, who I like so much. And I was new. He was my first president. You know, I mean, it's, it's, it's not been right since then. Uh, they, they took over our gun. Our government was taken over with Kennedy. It was supported with the other murders. Vietnam and Central America cinched it, that we were a militarist, expansionistic, colonial power. And... 9-11 changed the ownership. It, instead of us being 
the power that's behaving badly. Now there's a group of people who are controlling the whole thing that the neocons and the neolibs, the project for the new American century, the, you know, the entire uh, group of those people, which, you know, I hate to say it, but every one of them is either a Christian or a Jewish Zionist. They're all Zionists. And there's nothing, you know, and, and, and there's nothing we can do about it. They're everywhere controlling everything. And you know uh, what? Sounds like a whole nother show. So I'm hoping you'll come back and maybe we can spend an hour on this topic sometime. Would that be okay with you? Oh, I'd love it. Yeah, because, uh, you know, it, it, we've got to find out, we've got to figure out how to stop these people. And, yeah. you know, it's a tough one because uh, they've, got, they've got really great tricky defenses that yeah. have been developed over a century. So this is not new. This is an old story. And, yeah, that's uh, I understand, but it's a story that's starting to trickle. You know, there's, it's starting to come out. So. Oh yeah, def- more and more and more. People aren't lying yeah. about it anymore so much, and people are daring to say what they view as the truth and challenging anybody to, you know, to uh, come up with a better story. You know, where's the where are the lies? Point out the lies. You know, there aren't they aren't lying. It's it's the truth, or else people would be sued. So. Anyway, well, let's do another show. I'd, uh, I'd be happy to. Uh, Thank I'm, you, Charles. I enjoyed speaking with you, and I, I enjoy listening to you, and I hope our listeners do as well. And, again, if you, if you guys can help keep the station alive, you can go to freedomslips.com and click on that Donate button. And we'd really appreciate it because, you know, we don't do commercial interests. You know, we're just listener-supported. So anything that you can donate will really help the station. And, and you know, thank you so much for everyone that's listening. If you have any suggestions for guests or comments, you can email me at whistleblowerheroes at gmail.com. Again, that's whistleblowerheroes at gmail.com. And I look forward to next time. And, Charles, I just want to say thank you one more time. Oh, thank you, Ella. This is, uh, I was a little little intimidated, but uh, you've made it very comfortable. We're wonderful. <laughs> okay, so, thank uh, you. Stay on, stay on after we get off here. I want to... I wanna... Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.